Okay, church, how many of you are willing to admit that there is some area in your life that you need to make some changes? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying one, there could be many. Uh, Haley and I have uh, started the journey, I think I shared this with you a little bit last week, of losing weight. Um, this last week, lost seven and a half pounds. Yeah. Now, I don't expect that to keep happening every single week. You know, you kind of get that big bump, you know, right there at the beginning. So, but it's a change that I needed to make, that we're making. Um, and that's kind of the easier places to make change. You know, when you think about just adjusting your diet, it's a little bit easier than maybe adjusting an attitude at work or adjusting your mouth and the way you speak to your spouse or your kids or adjusting your heart and the way you think and experience things. I mean, changes can be really hard. And that's what I'm really excited about um, with this series that we're going through, is that we're talking about change. And, and that, that even though it may be difficult, and even though it may be hard, God can create change in us. As we surrender our lives to Him, as we open up our life to Him, as we learn new things and, and try different stuff, God can create change in us. And I'm excited about what's going to be happening um, in our church for the next six or seven weeks, I think, somewhere around there, as we go through this series. Maybe you have a friend or a neighbor or, or, um, or a relative or someone that you know needs to make some sort of change in their life. I just want to encourage you. Invite them. Invite them to come on a Sunday morning and, and uh, to just hear maybe God has something special for them. And I, com- and I just ask that you commit you know, to being a part of what we're doing and, and committing to being here on Sundays. And, and if, if you can't be here on Sunday, the, to pull it up on the Internet and you know, our messages and, and just dig into deep, deep and, and listen and, and see what God has for you. So this morning, how many of you agree that games as kids are the best? Right? Yeah. The reason I loved games when I was a kid was you had this one thing that was your ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card, and that was the do-over, right? At any point as a kid, you're playing a game, you can call do-over, and, and it just resets. Now, I was the younger brother, and I took advantage of this very liberally against my older brother. If we were playing, you know, Nintendo and playing John Madden 95 or Baseball Stars or something like that, if, if the game didn't go the way I wanted to in the first inning or two, I was screaming do-over. If my brother jumped out to a big league, do-over, I would just scream it, and he didn't have a choice because right after the do-over, this finger would hit that reset button. It was like lightning, just ching, you would just restart this thing, and we get a do-over. And because I was a younger brother, I got like two or three do-overs to his one um, because, you know, I needed it but that's life as a kid and playing games it's it's simple but as an adult um it gets a little bit a little bit tougher where you can get a fresh start a reset a new beginning or as the previous moment didn't even exist how many of you would like to get a few do-overs as an adult maybe maybe it's a conversation that you have with your husband or your wife and and as the conversation's going, you're just thinking, oh, that, this is not really going the way I thought it would. Do-over. Can we just do a do-over and start all over? Babe, I'm really sorry I said that. Let's just do a do-over. Let's wipe that clean. Maybe it's something at work. You know, an employee or a, or, or a co-worker or, you know, or, or, or a, you know a, a customer, and you have that experience, and you just think, ah, do-over. I, I wish I could just start that whole situation over like it never even happened.
Or maybe it's with your kids. Maybe you're a little hard on them and, and you, you're quick to temper and you just said something or you did something or you grabbed them in such a way. And, and as soon as it was over, you're just thinking, ah, I didn't handle that right. Man, I wish I could have a do-over. Well, here's the deal. As adults, we don't get do-overs. As adults, we don't get to wipe it clean and act like it just didn't happen. You realize that life isn't that simple. You don't get do-overs, but you can do something else. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You can't get a do-over, but you can do something else. If you look in your notes, you can pull it out of your bulletin. Um, we're going to be um, look, reading just real quickly in Philippians chapter 3. There's a Bible there. If you want to pull that out, um, you can turn to it. And, um, but from your notes, it's, it's going to be in there also. And this is what Paul writes. He says, this is Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Maybe you need to underline those words or circle them or star them or something. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Circle those three words. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 3. Now, I just want to break this down real quick. I mean, if you know much about the life of Paul, the life of Paul was a roller coaster train wreck for a lot of years. I mean, it was up and down and just absolute mess. Before his name was Paul, if you can read in chapter in, in Acts chapter 7 and 8 and 9, his name of, before Paul was actually Saul. And if you know Saul's life, Saul was not a good man to other Christians, or, or to Christians. He wasn't a Christian. He was a Jew, and, and he persecuted him. If, if you read about the story of, of Stephen being stoned, who was there on the side holding people's coats as they killed them, cheering them on? It was Saul, this man Paul. If you think about his life, and he's talking about forgetting what is in the past, he's talking about some very intense and serious moments. If you read about his life in Acts chapter you know, 8, 9, and on through the end of the book, I mean, there are some amazing things that happen to him that aren't good. He's shipwrecked at sea. He's beaten with rods. He's, he's stoned a few times. He's, he's whipped. He's, he has people that he trusted and, and that, that were going on missionary journeys with him, look at him and just say, hey, we're just splitting ways. You know, you want to do this, I want to do this. If you look at his life, not everything was rosy and clean and perfect. And so when you hear Paul write, forgetting what is behind, you begin to understand the weight of these words. Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting the fact that, that I watched and held cloaks as, as who was once or who is now a brother of mine in Christ was killed. Forgetting what is behind as somebody abused me or beat me or whipped me or forgetting what is behind as I was in a boat in a storm and you would think that God would see me through, but I wrecked and was stranded ashore. Forgetting what is behind. See, Paul is saying that, that, that I don't necessarily get a do-over, but I can get through it. I can move on. 
I can move forward. The question for today is, what is it in your life that you need to let go of? What is it in your life that you need to take back the power that has been robbing you of joy and helping you to move forward? Let's process that today. You see, you can't have it back. You can't do a do-over, but you can let it go. You can't have it back, but, but you can let it, let, let it go. What I mean by that is this, is that every single one of us have experienced pain in our life, right? Raise your hand if you've experienced pain. Every single one of us should have our hand raised. I mean, if it's physical or emotional or mental, we all have experienced pain if it was self-inflicted or if it was inflicted on us from other people. We've all had pain inflicted on us, and for a lot of us, we relive that moment over and over and over again, and we say things like, I wish I would have, or, or I, could, I wish I could have that moment back, so I can do it different. I wish I could have that place back that's been robbed for me, from me. I wish I could have that experience back, that, 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 was, that, that abuse that happened. But here's the thing, is that, is that we can't have it back, but you can let it go. See, it's kind of funny, all the different New Year's traditions that we have across the world. You know, I, for those of you that came over to my house, or our house, excuse me, it's really my wife's house, I just live in it. Um, my wife's house, for New Year's Day, our family tradition is black-eyed peas and cabbage, you know, and we, we cook it up, we eat it on New Year's Day, and, and it's supposed to, like, represent having good luck and, and fortune for the year. Um, somehow, I don't know, I don't get it, I've just been doing it my whole life with my family, and so we wanted to share that with you. Um... In, in Northern America, they have something called the Polar Bear Club. Is anybody a part of the Polar Bear Club? I don't think you can, can really be a part of it here in Arizona. Um, but maybe if you have. Okay, you're nuts. Um, I'm just kidding, Troy. <laughs> I, I love you, man. You're not nuts. Well, you kind of are. I mean, but it's okay. The Polar Bear Club is absolutely ridiculous club to be a part of. And what they do on New Year's is, is they, um, they go to a frozen lake um, and, and they cut a hole in the water and, or in the ice and they jump in. And the closer you jump into midnight, the more luck it's supposed to bring you or the better fortune it's supposed to bring you for the new year. Haley and I have gotten into a routine this last week of going to our community pool hot tub um, in Johnson Ranch. And uh, this last week, we, we had a couple nights where we were in there with Canadians. I mean, we're in... Santan Valley, and so there's always Canadians around, right? It's the winter, and they're here get, soaking up the sun, enjoying it. And they were talking about how they were, um, what, what was their names? Rick and Vivian. And they were talking about how they were going home this weekend, and it was going to be minus 50 degrees. And they remarked, you know, I, Haley and I were talking about how it was so cold, you know, steam was coming off the pool, and we'd, we'd walked to the pool to get a little bit of exercise, and we are like, man, we're dreading to walk back. It's so cold. And they are like, cold, this is balmy. This is really nice. It's, it's going to be minus 50 on Saturday. And they said, well, it mean, minus 50, our temperature, your temperature, it's going to be like minus 20, you know, because Fahrenheit and Celsius, the difference and stuff. And they said, this is balmy. And I looked at them and I thought, minus 20? It, that is insane. I would become a snowbird and live somewhere if, if that was going to be my winter experience, minus 20. And this is what people do in Northern America in that polar bear club. Polar bear club. They, 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 they get in their skivvies, their swimsuit, and they jump in a frozen lake, and it's supposed to bring them 
luck. It's absolutely insane. In Denmark, their tradition is they jump off of furniture. They get on top of their furniture, and they jump off, and it's supposed to like be symbolizing you're jumping into a new year. And so you're, you know, you're just ready for the experience. You're jumping into it. You're going to do this. So right at midnight, they're jumping up in the air into a new year. Another tradition they have in Denmark is that on New Year's Eve, they take plates and they break them on their neighbor's door. And, <laughs> and the idea is, is that when you, you break it on their door to give them good luck and fortune for the next year. And so the more plates that are broken on your front door the next morning, the more people were wishing you good luck and good fortune. So husbands, for all those moments that your wives were breaking plates on you throughout the year, they were only wishing you good luck and good fortune for the next year. Right, ladies? Only in Denmark. (laughs) Yeah. In Panama, this is a really good one. In Panama, they make up paper mache figures like scarecrows, on New Year, and, and on New Year's Eve, they torch them. And so they make them, they, yeah, pyromaniacs, right? They, um, they make them look like politicians or celebrities that they don't like, or, just, or they just make them look like anyone that they want to see less of the following year. And so, so this is kind of like a symbol. Some of you would like have just like a yard full of paper mache figures. It's like a big bonfire. And what a great tradition that is. I mean, how many of you have somebody in your life that in 2016 you would like to see a little bit less of, right? Yeah. And that would be a great tradition for all of us. Because listen, some of us have people in our past that have inflicted deep, deep pain and wounds in our lives. And what I would choose and what I would hope is that we would not let the memory of that pain in that moment have one more day of our future. It's robbing us. And what if we could get to a place where we just lit that up and we let it go and we stopped allowing the memory of the past to rob us of where we're going in the future? Some of us would say, you know, I wish something wouldn't have happened to me. I wish they wouldn't have said that to me. Or or somebody that I cared about, um, you know, whatever. But what we can do this morning is we can lean into his healing and we can learn to let it go. Psalms 147. Put this in your notes. Now, they're not sure who wrote this psalm. It's kind of contentious. Some, well, can Bible writing authors be really contentious or just conflicted? Some think it's David. Um, And some think it's either a prophet like Nehemiah or Zephaniah, one of the prophets who were ministering to um, God's people while they were held in captivity. But regardless, you can kind of picture as you read Psalms 147 that, that not all things are good. But listen to what the writer says. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. That's what the Lord wants to do for us today. He wants to He wants to heal those broken places. He wants to bind up uh, those wounds and and take care of them and bring healing to those places. Jesus had an encounter with a woman in Matthew chapter 9 where he was on on the road traveling and there was a group of people surrounding around him. This is just then a woman who had been a subject to bleeding for 12 years 
came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if if I can only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned to her and turned and, and saw her and said, take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. How long has she been bleeding? Twelve years. Twelve years of pain. Twelve years of isolation. Twelve years of being unclean and not having normal relations and connections with people around her. Twelve years of, of, of what seems like physical abuse. And in a moment, God reaches out to her. And his power leaves his body and brings healing to her. And what I can tell you this morning is that God can reach into your past and heal those broken places. You see, you can't have it back, but you can let it go. You can find healing. Here's a second thought, is that you can't take it back, but you can be forgiven. You can't take it back. How many of you did something in 2015 that you wish you could take back? Yeah. How many of you said something in 2015 that you wish you could take back? How many of you said something this morning that you wish you could take back? Yeah, yes. You say, I wish I wish we could take it back. And here's the thing is that you can't take those words back. They're out. They're in the open. They've been said. But you can be forgiven. I, I heard an incredible story about a gentleman by the name of Michael Goodman. He was on Facebook, and he was reading about... Um, about how his favorite bagel place in New York City was closing called H&H Bagels. And so they had a Facebook page dedicated to H&H Bagels, and, and, um, and people were just commenting, you know, just how sad they were and just different memories they had about that place and, and just what an incredible bagel place it was. Um, and he lived in Hawaii now, but, but when he was a kid, he lived in New York City. And he, as he was reading, you know, some of the posts and kind of reliving those moments of being at H&H Bagel, he recognized a name that took his breath away. And the name was Claude Sofel. 35 years before that, he mugged Claude. He was 18 years old. He was living in New York City, and he was a bunch of guys, and he wanted to just, he felt like he had to prove to those other guys just how big and bad he was. And so on the steps of, of some sort of New York City museum, he mugged them, took his wallet, took his bus pass, and took off. Well, he got caught, and, and he went to jail for a few moments. Um, but that day, a few moments, a few days, whatever, <laughs> I don't know how long you go to jail for stealing a bus pass or, or taking a wallet, I really don't know. But it was some amount of time, the article they didn't say. But that moment haunted him for 35 years. And then all of a sudden, he sees a name of a guy that he never saw again, that he never spoke to again, and all of that guilt came flooding back. And he did something that took a lot of guts. He posted on Claude's comment, and this is what he said. He said, you may not remember this, but a long time ago, I walked up the steps of the Natural History Museum one afternoon, trying to look like a tough guy to somebody, and I saw you there standing at the top of the steps, and I walked up to you and mugged you and took your bus pass. He says, finally, I can say I'm very sorry. I'm sorry that you had to go through, through that stuff that day. I wish it never happened, but it did. Like I said, I was trying to look tough to impress some guys that didn't believe I was in a gang. Pretty stupid, huh? So once again, I'm truly sorry for taking your bus pass back then. Forgive me. And thanks for reading this strange and very long message. Peace and love to you, my brother, Michael Goodman. 
Can you imagine how Michael felt and how startled he was when just a couple hours later, Claude posted? He said, Michael Goodman, clearly you're a bigger man today. Wow, memory is a funny thing. And I recognize your name now. Apology accepted. Claude, who had become a life coach, said, said this. He said, interestingly, I've dedicated a large portion of my life to helping other men to be the men they always wanted to be. And, and moments like this one continue to fuel my faith that the battle may be uphill, but it is so rewarding. Any man who draws a line in the sand for himself and says, today I step forward for myself, my family, and my humanity is a hero to me. Let us now jointly put this in its proper place behind us. Wow. When I, when I heard that, when I read that, I, I thought, how healing that must have been to Michael. That there was hardly a day that went by that he didn't experience some sort of regret for something that happened 35 years before in his past that he wanted to take back, but he couldn't. And here's the thing is that now he doesn't have to. He found forgiveness. And so can you. That same forgiveness that was there for him is there for us every single day. We all have things that we've done, things that we said, things that we wish that we could take back and do over it, but, and we relive those days. But the truth is, is that we can find forgiveness. Look at 1 John 1, 1.9 in your notes. It says, if we confess our sins, you got, you're just going to have to read this one with me. It's too good. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, maybe some of you need to circle that word all because it's a short word with huge meaning. It means everything. Everything. He forgives all. If you've ever asked yourself, if you've ever said to yourself, man, there's no way I can ever be forgiven of that. Or you've ever, can I be forgiven of that? And the answer is yes. It doesn't matter what you've said or or what you've done or how many times you've done it or how long it went on. It doesn't matter. We wish we can take it back, but we can't. But we can be made clean. If you open your hearts to the Lord, God can forgive you. God will forgive you. He will make your heart new. I love this next verse I put in your notes. Isaiah 118. It says, come now, let us settle this matter. I love how frank God is being. He says, let's, let's just settle this. It's over. Let, come now. Let's, let's, just, let's deal with this once and for all. It's like these people have been arguing with each other and God just said, let's just settle this matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. How many of you have ever battled with that, 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 that feeling inside of, can I be forgiven? Am I forgiven? Is it still there? Is it not? And, and God's just saying to you, let's just settle this matter. Let's set it aside. It's done once and for all. Where once it was red, now it can be washed clean. Amen? Yeah. You see, you can't take it back, but you can be forgiven. Here's a third thought. 
is that you'll never get over it, but you can get through it. You'll never get over it, but you can get through it. How many of you have ever heard or had someone say to you, just, just get over it? Just get over it. Anybody? Yeah, I've heard it. They look at you and they see your pain. And they see what you're going through and they just say, hey, just get over it. And what I want to say to you today is that in a lot of situations, a lot of things that you face and a lot of things that you go through, you can't just get over it. But you can get through it. I heard a story about a young lady in, in Louisiana died because of a very rare thing that happened during childbirth. She was giving birth to their first um, baby at the age of 24 years old, and she died. I'm not sure what it was that took her life, but it was happening in the midst. Kind of imagine, and maybe some of you have experienced this in your family, or if you've gone through this with a friend, but, but kind of imagine the type of trauma that happens to a family when... when in the greatest moment of joy of a baby coming into this world, all of a sudden the greatest sorrow happens in that same moment. Think about what it would be like to try to minister or to try to help and support her father, the brand new granddad who's super proud and super excited and super pumped as he holds up, does the Mufasa thing, you know, with the baby, you know, like in Lion King. Ah. And, and the clouds are breaking and everybody's singing and he's passing out cigars, you know, because the baby's here. And then all of a sudden the doctor runs out and says, we're sorry. The baby's been born. He's perfectly healthy, but your daughter's passed. Think about the pain, the trauma that he experiences, the one he, or one of the ones as he loves most, leaves this world. How do you help or minister to a husband who's having his first baby and in the same moment saying goodbye to the wife that he loves. You see, here's the thing, is that you never really get over that. You don't get over it. When something like that happens, when loss or pain or a scar happens, and there's a wound that's sometimes always there, there's a vacuum of loss, of missing that person that you care about that may never go away. And what I want to say to you today is that sometimes the greatest, the best gift that you can give yourself and to that person who's passed on that you love is not holding tightly to the loss, but fully becoming the person that you know they wanted you to be. You hear what I'm saying? Is that sometimes it's not about holding on to the grief but it's realizing and becoming and, and dedicating your life to becoming the type of person that would make them proud. You see, if you're here and you've gone through a loss, particularly this last year, but hear, hear what I'm saying. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm not telling you not to grieve. I mean, grief is God's gift to us of letting pain out. It's a gift. It's, it's a good thing. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that if you're expecting one day or someday to just be beyond it and be over it, that may not happen. But what I can tell you is that, that God can be there and love you and minister to you through it. You may not get over it, but you can go through it. Look at it, Psalms 34. It sounds very familiar to the other psalm that we read. 
says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are what? Crushed in spirit. Have you ever felt crushed in spirit before? He says he saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. You see, we're all going to experience pain in this world, in this life. And we may not just get over it, but we can get through it with God's help. And here's the last thought. Is you can't erase the old you, but you can become a new you. You can't erase the old you. You can't, you can't just act like that person never existed. That past can't just, you know, wipe clean from your memory. You can't erase those deeds that you've done, but you can become new. You can become new. There's an incredible story. I'd just encourage you to, to Google this name. His name is, it's, it's a story about a kid named Davian only, O-N-L-Y. There's some fantastic, incredible YouTube videos about his life. David Only, um, his mom was in prison um, for, for drug addiction and crimes that she committed because of her addiction in her life. And he was born while she was in, while she was in prison because of what she had done. She was a drug addict, and uh, he was immediately taken from her and was given to the state um, to be a ward of the state until one day he could be adopted. Well, he had been in foster and group homes for 15 years, never was adopted, never was taken, um, never was, was rescued from, from that type of life. And, and he became uh, an angry young man. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? It's kind of, you live in a group home. You, it shows a video of, of Davian in his group home, and uh, he has a cabinet that looks like one of those in the back, and he has to put a padlock on it to keep all his possessions in it so that other kids wouldn't steal it. I mean, think about living in that type of situation. Being angry is probably a natural response to that, right? Um, he, he wasn't focused at school. He was making D's and C's and some F's. Um, and he was a really big kid. Um, he, was, he was overweight um, because of just the stress. And one way that we like to handle stress is by overeating. It makes us feel good, right? So he's a big kid, life stacked against him. And, and his whole life, he, he wanted his mom. He's like, I, I, one day I want my mom to come rescue me from this. One day I want her to save me. One day I want her to show up and say, you're my kid and I know you've been in foster care, but, but I'm going to take you home. I'm going to be your mother. And it never happened. And at the age of 15, he decided to, to start finding out about his mother. And he got on the Internet and he started Googling and searching and doing all this stuff. And he discovered that his mom had died a week before he started searching for her. And in that moment, he was shocked, but in that moment, he had decided that he wasn't going to become her. That that life and that lifestyle and that, that future that's waiting for him, if he allows this to happen, that he was going to become his mother at some point. He said he didn't want to do that. So, so he completely changed his life. He said something has to be different um, and he didn't want to be like his family, so he decided to be different. And uh, he lost 40 pounds. Um, 15-year-old kid, taking his weight serious, lost 40 pounds. He brought all of his grades, it's really cute, he said, I brought all my grades up to A's, except for geometry, because that one's just too hard. I mean, I don't even think I made an A in geometry. Um, it's like an impossible class, at least it was for me. David would ace it, right? He knows those angles. 
Not me. Um, and he changed his behavior. He said that if this is the type of behavior that's going to lead to this lifestyle, I'm not going to be that person. So he started being more kind and more respectful to his teachers and his is, and he started to go to take his counseling seriously that he was, he was going to and, and really jumped into that with both feet. And he said this. He said he started talking to a counselor about his anger. He wanted to become a model kid that everyone liked. And he did. And now he felt like he was. That he finally felt like he was, he was somebody that someone would want. So what he did next was pretty incredible. He talked to his counselor. And he, and, and he came up with this idea. He contacted his caseworker who contacted a local pastor. And he asked the pastor at St. Mark Missionary Baptist Church in Florida if he could say a few words at the end of his sermon. And this is the most powerful part. The pastor agreed. So he showed up one Sunday in a borrowed suit that was way too big for him. And he stood up in front of 300 people and he said this. He said, my name is Davian only. And I've spent my life in foster care and I want a family. And I don't care if you're young or old, a mom or a dad. I don't care if you're black, white, or purple. I believe God hasn't given up on me. And so I haven't given up on myself. And I will be the kind of kid that you will want to have. And it said the the congregation just erupted in applause. And what he did went viral. And in just a few months, he had over 10,000 people respond and say, I want to be your dad. I want to be your mom. I want to adopt you. And the story goes on that says that that following Christmas, that happened in October, that that following Christmas, he spent it with a new family. And now he has a new last name. And you know what? You can have a new name. See, there are times that we wish that we could go back and we can be someone different. But we can't change who we were in the past. But we can be changed now and into the future. We can receive a new name. Look at the scripture, Isaiah 62.2. It says, and you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is that this person, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has become. You see, the giving of the name in biblical times was something powerful. The name, the changing of a name was representing of a change of character, a change of destiny, a change of your future. As you were taking a name, it was a representative of who you are inside. And God is saying, I can give you a new name. You can have a new future. Through Christ, the old life is gone and a new life has become. There's a new life waiting for us, church. A new life that God can begin in you. I put this little quote in your notes. Stop beating yourself up over who you used to be and let Christ lift you up to who you were meant to be. Stop beating yourself up over who you used to be. And through Christ, let Christ lift you up to who you were meant to be. I'm going to ask the worship band to come back over. And and I just have a couple questions for you. As we think about responding, as we think about what God is teaching us and and how we're supposed to be new and different, I just have a couple questions. First question is, is what do you need to leave behind? What do you need to let go of? 
there's something that happened in your past that you're holding on to that, that God is saying, just let it into my hands and I'll help you through it. What is it that you need to be forgiven of? Maybe it was a word or deed. Maybe it was an experience with your spouse or your kids or something way long in your past. And that memory has just been percolating inside and festering, getting sicker and sicker. And maybe today it's just you want to choose to be forgiven and to move on, to let go. If you're grieving, maybe this morning you just need to say, Lord, I need your comfort. I know I have some losses that I may not get over, but with your help, I can get through. So God, I just grab your hand, trust and lean into you. Or maybe this morning you just say, Lord, I need a new name. I I want my old me to be the old me and I want to become new. So God, give me a new name, a new beginning, a fresh start. This morning, as we um, as we respond, I put um, we put a, um, a little index card in your notes. Maybe this morning you just need to have one of those experiences where you write down a word or a name that represents a situation or, or a character trait or something that you've done or or a place where pain happened in your life. Maybe there's something that you can write down on that card. And you can come and place it in this box as a sign of of putting it in the Lord's hands, of letting go, of of moving on, of finding forgiveness. Maybe it's just an experience where you say, Lord, I'm I'm placing this in this box, in this basket, and and I'm asking for your healing, your strength to be moving on from it. Father, we thank you for this moment. Lord, we just pray that as we experience these next few minutes um, that God, your Holy Spirit, would be teaching us and working in us. Maybe there's a name, a place, a thing, a character trait that we've we've done or said or gone through that, that we need to let go of, we need to move on from, we need to be forgiven of. And this morning, as we reach out to you, we ask for your healing and your grace and your mercy and your compassion. I don't know everybody's story in this room, but you do. And you're ready to help them through to become that person you created them to be. And so, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We embrace you in this moment. We pray these things in Jesus' name.